listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Uh, so my name is Mark. I'm one of the leaders here at the White House campus. And I want to invite you to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we are walking through, through the summer, uh, through the Sermon on the Mount, and today we'll be at the end of chapter 6. So find your way to chapter 6. We're going to begin picking up today in verse 25. And as Hillary set this up well, that we're going to talk about something today that some of us have a little of it, and some of us have a lot. In fact, some of us are really great at it, and some of you maybe me included, we might actually be professionals at this because we're going to talk about the art of worrying. And Jesus is going to talk about it today in the form of a command, and we're going to see that. But this is nothing new. You know the first time you see worry and anxiety in the Bible? It's in Genesis chapter 3, in the garden with Eve. And we focus a lot about her disobedience where God tells them what to do and she disobeys and she takes the, the fruit and she eats it and she disobeys. But before that, you know what happens? You actually see worry and you see anxiety because Satan gets her to believe that God is holding out on her. And in that moment when she chooses not to trust God at his word, she then disobeys. But then you add thousands of years 60 years ago. So Paul told us he was alive at this time. In 1961, Time Magazine, on the front cover of their magazine, published this. It was Anxiety in America, Guilt and Anxiety. 60 years ago, this is what they broke. The breakdown of faith in God, coupled with accelerated pace and high tension of life, have produced intense anxiety in many millions of people, so much so, in fact, that it would be correct to call worry one of the most widespread and debilitating ailments of our time. So now add 60 more years, more breakdown of faith in God, a faster-paced life, even higher tensions. This is not something that we've gotten better at, and this is not something that is going away. But some, we're going to see, this is a very obvious issue, but I know this among us. You're going to see this and you're going to hear this today and we're going to have a wide spectrum on how we're going to receive Jesus' words this morning. Because there are a few on one end, you are the happy-go-lucky. Things don't really get to you. You're the ones that just go with the flow. You don't think much about the future. Things are, or worry about it. Things always are going to work out. Anxiety, worry, these are not major issues. And you're going to hear this today and you're going to be delighted. Man, you're going to think, I knew it. All those uptight people. See, Jesus is telling me I've got this right. Maybe a few of you are on that end. Then there's the other end. The other end of this spectrum of people, you are high strung. We're always on edge. The smallest things that don't go well according to plan can get to us. It doesn't take much to kind of send us into a tailspin of anxiety and worry. In fact, you have a list of things to worry about. 
And then you even get worried when you don't have anything to worry about. And you create scenarios in our heads of things that could happen, and we worry about them. And you're going to hear this today, and I think there's going to be a lot of conviction because it's going to feel like Jesus is talking directly to you. Now, I'm not going to tell you where I'm on the spectrum, but you can probably figure out. But I know we're going to hear these words and respond differently together. So let's hear them read this morning, and then we will walk through Jesus' words through Matthew to us about worry. Beginning in verse 25. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, nor what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds into the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you no more valued than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, they seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day, its own trouble. And this is the word of the Lord. Let his saints hear. Join me one more time in prayer. Lord, we come before you this morning, and this is an issue that I know we all face in different degrees, maybe at different times, in our lives, but this is a real issue. Some of us may not struggle much, and some of us are in this place that it seems like it is almost paralyzing because of the anxiety and the worry that we live with. But Father, would you speak to us today? Would you give us hope? Lord, would you show us the cure of how we can live lives free of this? I ask all this in Jesus' name and by the power of your spirit. Amen. All right, so look back at the beginning of Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And we're just going to walk through this and see what Jesus says. He begins by saying, therefore, I tell you. And we need to talk a little bit about context because he says, for this reason. But he doesn't explicitly say what that reason is. There's a couple of options that you have to choose from this morning. One, it could be this. Last week, we talked about setting up or storing up treasures in heaven of, of hoarding wealth. Therefore, these next verses, he could be saying, for this reason I tell you, it's not so much the pursuit of all the riches, but our excessive worry over all of them. So one may not be Guilty of hoarding wealth, but others may be guilty of 
worrying about it. So option number one. Option number two is last week Jesus could be focusing on people that have much. And he's warning them against this idea of losing sight of loyalty to Christ because of all that I have. Then he's speaking this week maybe to people that have less. And they always seem to be anxious about where the next meal is going to come from or how we're going to make that. Then you have a third option, but it's, it's a little more subtle. The thought behind this context question would be, behind this, Jesus may be coming to people who say, okay, if I follow Jesus to the extent or follow you to the extent that you're calling me to, well, how am I going to make things work? And you begin to lose hope and thinking that we might be left without and left needing. And Jesus could be telling them, no, you need to do this and watch, I will take care of you. So which is it? Well, I'm not sure, so I'm going to let you decide as we walk through this today. Maybe you'll solve that question. But here's what I do know. Jesus is giving us a command. Several times he's going to say, do not be anxious. He's giving us a command. Therefore, there must be a cure. There must be a solution or he would not have given the command. So today I have broken this up. We're going to see eight things about worry and at the end we'll see the cure but I want to build it all on this thought and it's right in the middle of the passage that we'll see today it is this that worrying is actually living beneath the privileges that we have as God's children that's really what worry is it is living beneath the below the privileges that he is giving us as his children so here we go he says therefore i tell you for this reason and you're going to solve that before we get to the end today but he says do not be anxious do not worry about your life in fact he's going to say this six times in 10 verses he's going to talk about being anxious but stop and think for a moment because it seems to me that there must be some appropriate level of worry. If not, I'm really without hope. But I, there must be some appropriate form of concern that we are to have. Thinking if a builder is building some structure or a bridge. I want him to be a little concerned about the materials and, and the process they're going to go through and how they're going to put this all together and the strength of their design. I want them to be a little worried about that. In fact, you saw this week in the news of the horrible uh, collapse in Florida. Man, every building around is now going to be looking and worried and concerned about the integrity, the strength of their things. So I drive across a bridge. I'm hoping... Those people that put the time and energy into that have worried appropriately about what I'm about to drive on. If a person is considering a school, then don't you want that school to be concerned with the quality of the education, the, the, the strength of their teachers and, and the material they're going to use? And we want them to, to be appropriately concerned about that. Or your child drives for the very first time without you. And if you haven't worried about that, there's something wrong with you. I mean, so it seems there has to be some appropriate level. And Jesus just says, do not be anxious about your life. 
Or you sell your home and your rental house isn't ready. And there's a little worry, a concern that should go along with that. So what is Jesus saying when he says, do not be anxious about your life because your car breaks down in the middle of the night and your cell phone dies or you have no coverage? Try not to worry and see how you do. So I think there is, there's some good and right concern and worry. So what is Jesus talking about? I believe when he says, do not be anxious about your life, that he is counseling us. He's calling us against a level of worry and concern and even anxiousness that can do this, that can cause us to lose trust in who God is. And I think that's what Jesus is, is commanding us and telling us about, do not be anxious about your life. It isn't don't have any concern or, or have any worry. But beware of that level that you get to the place that you're beginning to lose faith in who God is. So this builder builds a bridge. I need him worried about it. I'm going to drive across this bridge. You may be a little worried about that at times, especially if you're afraid of heights. Or the next building I walk into and... And I might be a little more concerned than I usually am after seeing what happens. But even if that bridge collapses and I'm on it, the thing I have to know is nothing of God changes. But notice what he first warns us about being anxious about. He's going to talk about three major staples that we have to have of life. He says, do not worry, do not be anxious about your life, whatever you will eat or you will drink, nor of your body or what you put on. So think about it. He's got food and drink. The things that sustain your life. Clothing. And if we stop right there. Then we're going to miss what Jesus is talking about. Because I can tell you, you know what? You shouldn't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you drink. Don't worry about clothes. You worry about that. Then you're living in sin. But notice the second part of this to keep it in context. He says, don't worry about what you eat or you drink. Don't be anxious about that. What you put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. So he's saying, don't be concerned about what you eat, that you're not just to go and you're going to have lunch today and you just go home and you sit down and you sit there and wait, okay, I wonder what God's going to provide today. That's not what he is talking about. He's not saying just sit down and, and see what falls from the sky. He's not saying do not take care of your body. The key is in the phrase, is not lie more, is it not more than life? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I think he is telling us, do not be so consumed about those things. They have their proper place and their proper uh, place and, and perspective in our life. That is not life more than that. Or do we have some form of concern? Absolutely. We should be concerned about what our kids are eating. Whether they're going to have clothes for when school starts. We should be concerned about that, but not consumed. So let me give you three points. The first three that I've seen studying through this about worry. Here's the first one. And it goes back to Jesus talking about, is not life more than this? The first thing about worry is that it can absolutely enslave us and we can take good things necessary things even like food and drink and clothing and when those control our minds when we get to the point of excessive worry we become slaves to whatever it is 
that we are worried about. And another thing I see in this passage, the second thing is that worry, it's unreasonable. Meaning this, our lives, he says, are more important than food or drink that we take in. Our value as God's children is not based on how we look physically. That it's unreasonable. The third one is this, that worry doubles our troubles. That worry causes us to actually experience the trouble, the pain, twice. Once in our minds we worry about it, then if it does happen, then we go through that Again, that worry actually doubles our trouble. Because notice Jesus' illustration, and I'll see the fourth point, and look at verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they are. And so he, he takes birds that, that demonstrate God's care. And I don't know, but there has to be millions of millions of birds. There just, there has to be. And by large, now I don't know a lot about birds, but by large, they seem happy. They, they seem healthy, at least most of them. As far as I know, they're not suffering from hypertension they're not medicated. They do not have stress-related injuries. They do not seem to actually worry about much. And he says, but birds have a lesser value than we do. He says, your heavenly father, not theirs. He's their creator. But he says, God in heaven is your father. And he points to God cares and provides to them. We can be assured of his care and provision for us. That they do not even have a father and they're cared for. But you and me, he says, you have a heavenly father that created and will sustain you. And this is where I built the idea that worry takes us beneath our value. That worry is being in this place that we're living below the privileges that we have as being called and being created in God's image to be his children. That worry is living beneath that. Now look at verse, verse 27, point five. And which of you by being anxious, and I have to remind myself of this all the time, what good is my worrying? He tells us you cannot add a single hour to your span of life. In fact, Jesus is asking it in the form of a question. I think he is saying, what good is worrying do? And in fact, it only doubles our problem. Point five, I would say this, worry is unproductive. That worry does nothing. It cannot at any time to our lives. In fact, it only makes the time probably we have more miserable. So what's, what Jesus is going to now do, he's going to circle back to the same three categories in verse 28, and he'll kind of complete this thought with a question in verse 30. And at first, it seems a little harsh, because notice what he says. And why are you so anxious about clothing? Look at the lilies. Consider them, those of the field, how they grow and how they never toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is the, thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then he says, O oh, you of little faith. So he uses the flowers and all of their beauty to paint this picture that we can get so consumed with something like clothing that Jesus is saying this is a display of your faith. So point six, I would say it this way. Worry is built on unbelief. And I know we don't like to face that, but ultimately worrying, it's an expression of a lack of faith in the character of God. That's ultimately what, what worry is. That when we worry, we are doubting his goodness. We don't believe God wants to help us. I felt that way. When we worry, it's also a doubt of God's goodness or his greatness that we don't believe he is able. In fact, Sam Storm says it this way. He says, worry, when we're doing this, that God is either, a, is either wicked or a wimp. But deep down, I, I know we know that isn't true. But I know there have been things in my life where it's caused me to think, God, are you even there? God, do you even care? Man, are you going to do something about this? And ultimately worrying is this battle for our trust and our faith. And we see it all the way in the very beginning in Genesis 3. When the fall happened, that's what was going. It was a battle for her trust and her faith and who God is and what he has promised. And then sin enters the world through the disobedience. But you see it begins with worrying because worrying is a battle for our faith and trust. So look at verse 31. He then says again, he repeats, Therefore, because of this, do not be anxious, saying whatever you eat or whatever you drink or whatever you wear. Notice what this is actually saying about this because look at verse 32. When we do, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your, there it is again, your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And when he's describing them as Gentiles, it's this word that means pagan. And it's describing someone that doesn't know God. And he says, when we are worrying, we are living as if we don't know him. So point number seven about worry, I'd say this, that worry is to behave as a spiritual orphan. That's what we're doing. We're living like the pagans. We're living like the Gentiles. We're living as if we don't even know God. And he says, after all these things, notice the Father knows what you need. He knows that you need them all. So for the last point in the bread, I said this, worry is unnecessary. That there is never, has been, nor will there be a need in your life, in my life, that God doesn't already know about. There'll never be one. But I know it doesn't always seem like that's reality. I mean, there have been times I have made myself physically ill over worrying. I mean, I've seen it in places, and we've all asked this question, does God even know what's going on? Does he really care? And Jesus wants us to know the answer is always Yes, he always does. But anxiousness and, and worry, 
I think it causes us to forget just how near God actually is. And I know hearing this a lot of times, man, it all sounds great. Yeah, I need a little bit more of this. I need to do that a little bit differently. It all sounds logical. It all sounds right. It all sounds true. But then things happen. And it doesn't seem to take much. In fact, if there's nothing for you to worry about right now, there will be. Because notice, I said in the beginning that there would not be a command if there wasn't a solution. Does he have a cure? Does he have a solution for all that he is telling us? So notice now the cure. In verse 33, he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Notice what he doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say that when you trust in him, when you become one of God's children, that you'll never have a battle over anxiousness. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, if you follow me, you know what? You'll never have any trouble in your life. But he says in all of it, but seek first. That it's going to all be about a perspective. And notice the first thing he tells us to seek. He tells us to seek the kingdom of God. What is he describing there? I think he's describing the spread, trying to spread the reign of Jesus Christ through the gospel. And imagine if that was the thing that we were seeking most or seeking first, Jesus says. Imagine how material things would actually matter less and less. And it's not so much about what I'm going to eat or what I'm going to wear or what I'm going to do. If that became the thing that I seeked first, that above all else, I want Jesus to be known through the spreading of the gospel to my family and my friends and my neighbors to around the world. If that actually became a thing that I seeked first, my perspective would change. Then he says this, his righteousness, making the righteousness of Christ what is right and what is true seen in every area of my life, my personal life, my family life, my material life, all those things. If I'm seeking what is right and true according to Christ, all of a sudden my perspective would begin to change. So notice how he closes. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Because tomorrow, he says, it's going to be anxious for itself. There's enough to worry in tomorrow, but sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In fact, Jesus says, there actually will be trouble. It's unavoidable. But it's what we're going to do when the trouble or the problems or the pain comes. In fact, George McDonald said it this way. He says, no one ever sank under the burden of today. It is when tomorrow's burden is added to the burden of today that the weight is more than anyone can bear. And so I know this. We cannot stop the trouble, the pain, the discomfort, whatever it is. We cannot stop that from coming. But when trouble comes, we can't even stop those thoughts that come into our head, those feelings 
that we have, those, those moments of, of doubt and worry, we cannot stop them from coming. In fact, I believe it was Martin Luther once said that you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you don't have to let it build a nest in your hair. And I think it's the same with worry. We, we cannot stop the thoughts and the feelings from coming. We can't do that. We are not mentally strong enough for that to happen. It's going to. But it's what do we do when they come? So what is the solution? What is the cure? The only way for worry to be defeated in our lives is for Christ through the Holy Spirit to change our attitudes and our focus. I think that's what he's getting at when he says, when you seek these things, your attitudes will change and your focus will change. When our attitudes and our focus is changed, do you know how that happens? There's only one way I've seen it happen in my life. Is I can't stop the feelings, I can't stop the emotions, I can't stop the thoughts for coming. But the only way for that attitude and that focus to change in my life is a massive assault of biblical truth. And that happened in our family just this week. There were things that came, and man, here came the thoughts, here came the feelings, here came the emotions. And all of a sudden, just began opening God's word. Marla was sitting on the couch, and she just sat for several moments just working through some things. So I went back this week, and I wrote down just a few. When you worry about what people might do to you. Romans 8.31 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? If you ever worry about being too weak. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Do you have any future decisions that you're worried about? Psalm 32.8 tells us, I will instruct you, and I will teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. If you ever worried about God, will he actually fulfill his promise? Hebrews 6.18 is where it says it is impossible. It's impossible for God to lie. You worry about loved ones. Matthew 7.11 tells us, How much more will the Father give what is good to those who ask? What about worrying about physical sickness? Psalm 103 3 tells us that He will heal all of our diseases. But we need to remember it may not be exactly like we think. You ever worry about getting old? Isaiah 46 4 tells us that even to your old age, God says, I shall be the same. And even to your graying years, I shall bear you. Or maybe you worry about failing or falling, not measuring up. Philippians 1, 6 tells us, promises us, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it, make it perfect until the day of Jesus Christ. And through all this, all I'm seeing over and over is what an example of grace that God has given us so many truths 
and promises that we can rely and we can trust in. So many weapons that we have. Because worry is actually a battle for our trust in our faith and who God is and what he has done and in those promises. But God has been gracious to us to give us so many privileges we have as his children. And worry is actually an assault on that. So remember, worrying is living below our privileges as God's children. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.